Welcome, dear friend. Thank you for tuning in, and welcome to Faith FM, Drive Time Big Q&A. This is the program where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion, and the Bible. This is the program where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. It's my great privilege to say today that uh, you're listening to Hugh Heenan, but even more exciting is the fact that we have, uh, not with us in the studio, but certainly remotely and joining us in a very special way, uh, one Gary Webster. And uh, Gary, welcome to the program. Thank you, Hugh. Great to be back again. Uh, well, we've actually been listening to you now for a couple of days here on Drive Time Big Q&A, and in that time you've covered some fascinating topics, and of course today's topic is going to be perhaps even more fascinating as it builds upon the ones that have come before. Uh, now, you're actually going to be talking to us tonight about something that uh, is, uh, well, I guess is... Uh, a very current topic with within and amongst uh, believers and uh, amongst anyone really interested in end times, uh, and that is with regards to uh, the place of Israel. What part, what place will Israel play uh, in the times leading up to the second coming of Jesus? And uh, so, yeah. yeah, really interested to hear what you have to share with us along those lines. And uh, before we do, though, uh, perhaps we'll, we'll hear a, a wonderful song, uh, by B.J. Thomas, where no one stands alone. When we come back, we'll look forward to hearing what you have to share about the place of Israel uh, and at the part that it will play in the last days. Once I stood in the night with my head Bowed low in the darkness as black as could be, and my heart felt alone, and I cried, Oh Lord, don't hide your face from me. my head
Welcome back to uh, Big uh, big uh, Time Questions on Drive Time Big Q&A here at Faith FM. And uh, tonight we have with us a very special guest, uh, Gary Webster. Welcome back, Gary. And we're looking forward to hearing what you have to share about uh, Israel in the times leading up to the second coming of Jesus. Thank you, Hugh. Uh, in fact, this this uh, subject is so big, I've decided we'll split it over two evenings tonight and tomorrow night so that we get a really good handle on it. Uh, that may be very wise, because, of course, there's a, there's a lot uh, of uh, thinking around this subject, isn't there, in the uh, contemporary world, in the contemporary Christianity, for that matter, as well. And so, yes. uh, yeah, probably a wise idea, and we're really all ears to hear what you have to share. By the way, in fact, this, this topic is so interesting that I remember watching a, um, a program on national Australian national television some years ago where, they were talking about what the world thinks of America, and uh, Bob Carr, the Premier of New South Wales at the time, was a well-read man, and uh, he was asked the question about Israel, why the United States supports Israel today in the Middle East. It was a fascinating, you know, so it, this, is a, this is a subject that has the interest of people, both Christian and non-Christian. Mm, very much so. Yes, he was just giving his reflections at the time. Well, look, uh, I think we'll be able to start with this um, uh you is to look at the, the country and the history and why this particular piece of real estate, this land, and uh, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll spend most of our time in, in that aspect tonight as we work our way through, and I think it'll be really enlightening to our listeners to uh, to to to, under, to see what what the, what the Bible says. Now, of course, you know it all began with Abraham. Mm, <laughs> now, yes. uh, Abraham, I noticed Abraham a few years ago even made it onto the front cover. Cover of Time magazine. Yeah, they were talking about uh, this, this patriarch. Well, of course, Abraham was in Ur, which is in um, down in the Persian Gulf area of Iraq today, and uh, he received a call from God. He tells us, and it's found in Genesis twelve verses one to three. And uh, let me share with you what it says. Now, the Lord had said to Abram, that was his name before God changed it to Abraham. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country, that's Ur, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. You'll probably notice, Hugh, there that um, he actually says three things, promises him three things. Number one, he says, I'm going to um, have a special piece of real estate, a special place, a piece of land. Of course, this became known as Israel as time went on. But why Why this piece of, of land uh, in the Middle East? How come this bit? Well, I think our listeners, if they go to a, a map of the Middle East, you'll notice, of course, that there were three great civilizations or areas surrounding the land of Israel. One, of course, down south was Egypt, and uh, one, of course, was Mesopotamia, where Abraham came from, down the south southeastern part. And then there was over, well, sort of north of Israel and across from the Mediterranean Sea was what we call in ancient times Anatolia. We call it Turkey today. This was a great civilization of people like the Lydians and and, and earlier the Hittites. So. Uh, then, of course, you had the Mediterranean Sea, and, of course, this was traversed by by ships even way back in ancient times. And, of course, one of the great seaport 
trading cities in on the coast of uh, what they called Canaan or the Phoenicians at those times was the city of Tyre, which was well known for for export and import. And so you, you you'll notice that Israel is smack bang in the middle of that part of the ancient world, right mm. in the center. It's placed. In fact, you, you could actually read us. That's what God's clear intention was because Ezekiel talks about this in Ezekiel chapter 5, verse 5. He, he mentions that. Right, yes. So, so right there in the middle of, uh, in a very influential part of the world. Let me uh, uh, look that up for you. So Ezekiel 5 and verse 5, and yeah. it says here, Thus says the Lord God, This is Jerusalem. I have set her in the midst of the nations and the countries all around her. Hmm. Okay, so there it is, a special a special place, in other words, to give them global reach in those ancient times uh, before the coming of the Messiah. Now, he also promised Abraham to have a special people, it said. I'll make of you a great nation. That great nation became known as Israel mm. as time went on. Now, these people were to be special people because they were to reveal God's love by their lives, you see. Um, the Ten Commandments were given by God. In fact, he wrote them down. And Jesus referred to these commandments as containing or, or, or amplifying uh, love to God, the first four, and love to fellow human beings, the last six. Uh, he had said that the greatest of the commandments was you shall love the Lord your God, and the second is like it to it, love your neighbor as yourself. So the commandments written by God's own finger were to be a way where people could express their love for God and to people, and that would become attractive. If you love people and you're kind and you're good to people, uh, then, of course, you become attractive and people would want to listen to what you have to say. Hmm. Hugh, I wonder if you could also read for us Deuteronomy 26, verse 18, because this is what was part of God's hmm. plan. Right, so Deuteronomy 26 and verse 18, that was, Gary, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Also today, the Lord has proclaimed you to be his special people, just as he promised you that you should keep all his commandments. So as we said, these would, these would, we would, uh, would show loving relationships with God and with other people. As many times here, people think the commandments are a list of rules that are against us, but quite the opposite. You know, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. The commandments show us that we love God and that we have a, a, a love for fellow human beings. Mm. Now, you will notice what uh, Moses went on to say in Deuteronomy 4, verse 6. He said, therefore, be careful. This is God talking. Be careful to observe them. That's the commandments. For this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes or laws and they'll say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What a different world it would be today if people kept the commandments, yeah? Mm, yes, certainly. <laughs> Could you imagine uh, such, a, such a world? Oh, yeah. I mean, you wouldn't have to lock up your, your, your house. You wouldn't even have a police force, would we? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. And if somebody told you, you know, something, you could take them at their word, couldn't you? Yeah, exactly. There'd yes. be so much. It's one of the tragedies is today, the further we move from God, the more we... Um, don't follow these great principles of, mm. uh, of God. Yeah. Now, so the third thing was they were to have a special purpose. So a special piece of real estate giving them global access, a special people who would forge loving relationships with 
uh, God and others, and then finally a special purpose. Mm. And that purpose we would we saw back in when God called Abraham was to be a blessing, or in other words, to help all of the world. They didn't exist for themselves. You will notice here, if you could read Isaiah 49, because Isaiah actually has a lot to say about the purpose of Israel. Read verse verse 3 and 6 of Isaiah 49. Okay, so Isaiah 49, 3 and 6, it says, And he said to me, You are my servant, O Israel. I also will give you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. So so there it is. What a beautiful thing. God said, look, Mm. I'm going to put you in a special place so that you can be a special people, so that you can actually be a light to the Gentiles or the non-Jewish people, so that they will be able to come to my salvation, in other words, all across the world. So Israel actually was not some special people just for themselves. They Mm. were chosen by God to help the whole planet. So how were they going to do that? How would they um, bring God's saving love to the whole world? Well, that, that takes us to the book of Romans now, because Paul commented on the purpose of Israel in Romans chapter 9, verse 3 to 5. Let me read it. He says, My countrymen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, in other words, he's saying, My blood brothers, Israelites, to whom are given the service, that's a reference to the temple service or ministry, to whom is given the service of the temple of God and from whom Christ came. So in other words, God was saying, these people were going to bless the world through two methods especially. Number one, from them would come the Messiah or the Christ to save humans from their sin problem. You see, God wants to have a relationship with all of his children across the world. But the sad reality is that sin has separated us from God. Isaiah himself gave a relational portrait of sin and how it separates us from God in Isaiah 59, verse 2 and 3. Here, if you can read that for us, it's, a, it's, a, it's an incredible insight into what sin really is. Right. So, so Isaiah says here in Isaiah 59, and verse 2, he says, In your fingers with iniquity... Uh, am I reading the right part there? No, but, no yeah, back a little bit. But your iniquities yep. or sins That's, have separated mm. you from your God. Is that right? And your yep. sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue has muttered perversity. So in other words, the Israelites at the time of Isaiah, uh, they were killing people, defiled with blood, he says, murder, um, stealing, and uh, lying, and, and, and other things. And so he says, sin separated us from our God, and his face is hidden from us, and he can't hear us. And that's the sad thing about sin. Sin separates, sin breaks relationships. When people sin or do wrong, when all of us do wrong, it's not about something we do or don't do. It's about someone who gets hurt. And ultimately, that somebody ultimately is God. Mm. Relationships are broken when we sin. So, so Jesus is to come by saving human beings from sin. That means, in other words, for forgiving them and making them new people. Now, Christ can reconcile these people, all of us, back to God if He can deal with our sin problem. Mm. So that's the, that's the coming of the Messiah to solve the sin problem and to make us and to bring us back 
to the heart of God. God loves us, wants to have this incredible relationship with us, but sin has separated us. And it's the, the, the coming of Jesus that's going to make that possible to have reconciliation or friendship again with God. Now, the second thing, of course, is the temple. Um, this was, uh, as we read earlier, the service that was given to Israel. So this was to show the people how the Messiah would reconcile or bring humans back to God uh, and thus save the world. So that was the purpose of the temple. Before the Messiah came, what did people do before that? Well, the temple explained to them, and by faith uh, in the things that were done in the temple, pointing to the Messiah, this would show them how the Messiah would reconcile us to God. I, I love the words of God when he actually speaks to Moses about the temple if, when they got to the Sinai Desert. It's huge. This is a beautiful verse. If you could read it for us, it's a fantastic verse in Exodus 25, verse 8, but it sums up the purpose of the temple. Yes, this is a personal favourite of mine too, actually, Gary. It says, and let them make me a sanctuary. Uh, and, of course, he was talking there about the tabernacle that was to be built there mm. in the wilderness. Uh, God wanted to dwell there with them. And he says, let them make me a sanctuary or a tabernacle that I may dwell among them, right in the midst yeah. of them. What a beautiful thing. Yeah. That God would dwell uh, literally amongst his people uh, here upon the earth. And, of course, later in the temple. Beautiful verse, Gary. Oh, incredible. God has always wanted to be with his people. When Adam and Eve sinned, it was God who went looking for us. Adam, he said, where are you? Eve, I love you. How come you're not, mm-hmm. how come you're hiding from me? You remember the story. Yes. Well, so, so here we have, let them make me a sanctuary. What for? What's the temple going to do? It's going to be a way where God can actually dwell among us to be with his people. Well, of course, Israel. Uh, goes down into Egypt during the time of Joseph. There's a big famine in Egypt and across the world back in the time of Joseph and Jacob, the father of Joseph, and they go down to Israel to, to escape the famine. And then, of course, they're in there for around about 400 years. And then under Moses in 1450 BC, we have the exit from Egypt or what we call the exodus or the exit coming out of Egypt to go mm. back to this land that God had given Abraham. But on their journey, they go through the Sinai Desert, and they're there for 40 years, in fact. But God gives them two things. First of all, he gives them the Ten Commandments, um, as we talked about. God writes them with his own finger, but he also gives them the temple. In Moses' case, it was one that they could fold up and carry with them. Mm. But all the temples that that uh, followed the, if you like, the movable temple of Moses were on the same pattern. And uh, so Solomon's temple, when they arrive in Israel eventually, uh, during the time of Joshua, by the time of Solomon, around 950 BC thereabouts, Solomon builds the first permanent temple. That, of course, was destroyed by the Babylonians in 586 BC. And then, of course, it was rebuilt when they came out of Babylon and uh, then Herod the Great re- rebuilt that one uh, in the, just before the time of Jesus, and that's the one he came to. So there was, in, a, in essence, about, uh, what is it, one immovable temple, Solomon's temple, one after the Babylon, and then another one. So about four temples mm. that the Jewish people used. And all of these temples, their purpose was to illustrate, to show how God would solve the human sin problem so that we could be reconciled to God. So, so God has been very 
uh, serious about gathering his people together, dwelling amongst his people, and doing so for a very special purpose of not only uh, uh, being at one with those who are, who are his people, uh, who are called by his name, but also to uh, to draw others, uh, to give his people a purpose of leading still others into his presence as well. So a very important uh, purpose that God has given uh, the people of Israel from, from of old. Yes, and, and I'm glad you mentioned that here because, you see, remember this is all set up in the middle of the ancient world, right smack bang in the middle. So you can imagine people coming from Egypt, they're going to go up through there because it was on very important trade routes. They're going to go, so they're on their way to Mesopotamia. They're going to go through Jerusalem. They're going to ask, well, what's all this stuff you're doing in your temple? And they're going to be told the story of what it represents. And people coming from, you know, Anatolia or Turkey coming down into Egypt, they're going to pass through there too. So they're, that's why God put it in the middle of the world so the story could be told of the coming of the Messiah mm-hmm. and what he'd do. Mm-hmm. Well, there were two, cri- two critical plays in the temple here that we, we should talk about so that people, people can understand um, not only Israel back then, but Israel today. And we'll get more into that tomorrow, of course. But the first one were the sacrificial animals. Now, it sort of sounds a bit a bit gross to us today because, you know, we're sort of, we don't like the idea of animal sacrifices. But in the ancient world, this was very common all around the ancient world. Sadly, not only animal sacrifices, but humans were sacrificed as well in many of the cultures, especially the Canaanites uh, and, and the Phoenicians practiced human sacrifice. The Israelites were forbidden to do that, but sadly, unfortunately, uh, during a time when they turned away from God, they too, some of their kings practiced human sacrifice. But that was never God's intention. It was only mm. animal sacrifices. Yes. Now, that brings us to a very important structure that everybody's familiar with if you watch the news. You've probably seen it yourself here, that golden dome building in the middle of Jerusalem there, called the Dome of the Rock. Yes, it looks like a giant uh, big golden Easter egg. I don't think our Muslim friends <laughs> might be saying that, but uh, yes, uh, the Dome of the Rock. Yeah. Oh, it's a beautiful building. I've been inside it. You can't go in there today unless you're a Muslim. But early on, when I first came here, you could go inside. And underneath that dome, there's a rock. For obvious reasons, it's called the Dome of the Rock. But what's the significance of the rock there Mm. under that golden dome? Well, that brings us to a very important story of uh, connected with Abraham. One night, the Bible tells us in Genesis that Abraham was wakened by God and told, he said, uh, listen, take now your son, that's Isaac, uh, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering, as a human sacrifice, in other words, on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now, you can imagine that Abraham could hardly believe. You see, is God asking for human sacrifice? Of course not. But Abraham knew the voice of God because he'd spoken to him on a number of occasions. So he said, well, if that's what God is telling me to do, I I need to do it. So he wakes his son Isaac up and he says, son, uh, we need to go and offer a sacrifice. Well, they're traveling along the, the road together with a couple of servants. And after a while, Isaac says to his dad as they're journeying to this place, he says, dad, hey, we've got the fire here. We've got the wood, but uh, we didn't bring an animal this time. What's the deal? And his dad doesn't have the heart to tell him at that time that he's to be the sacrifice. And he says, well, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a sacrifice. And they continue on their journey. Well, when they get to this place called Moriah, Abraham tells his son that 
he's to be the sacrifice this day. And now Isaac must have been an incredibly um, a loving son and a very obedient son because, I mean, he could have run away from his old dad. I mean, his dad was well was over 100 years of old age, well over. But he says, well, Dad, if that's what God told you to do, let's get on with it. So Abraham binds his son, puts him on an altar of stones and, and, and wood, and he's about to plunge the knife into his chest when a voice calls out, Abraham, Abraham, no, 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 don't do it, don't do it, Abraham. I was just testing you to see whether you really loved me, to see whether you really trusted me. He says, look behind you and you'll see a ram that's caught in some of the bushes there. Take that and offer it in place of your son. Now, archaeologists and historians here believe that this is the very place where this uh, this actually took place. This is the Temple Mount, mm. or what we call Mount Moriah. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, it's astonishing really, isn't it, when you think about it, Gary, to think that thousands of years ago, long before Christ came, that, uh, that God was forecasting the fact that uh, he was willing, God the Father, to give his son and was doing so through the purposes of saying, well, look, uh, uh, Abraham, will you be willing to give up Isaac? And Isaac, would you be willing to give your life uh, for for those who've gone astray? Uh, and, and to think that uh, that this was all so far, so long before Christ came, and that uh, God went to all the trouble of making sure that that was preserved unerringly so long again before uh, the time of Christ. Uh, it's ah, really yes. amazing, isn't it? And it really shows, and of course the place as well. Uh, and I guess oh, that, yes. that ties together what you're saying, place and person and purpose, or place, people and exactly. purpose. Exactly. Yes, the all in that one spot. The place is very significant. Mm. The place is the middle, it's the middle East at the crossroads, in actual fact. Yes, yes, <laughs> um, yes you could say that, this, could you? Yes, this became the site, this place, the, this became this rock, because it was the site of Solomon's altar of burnt offerings in his temple. This was Mount Moriah. Mm. This, this rock is believed to be the very site of his of his altar of burnt offerings. Uh, Abraham called the place Jehovah Jireh, which means mm. Jehovah provides. And the word Moriah means uh, shown or taught yes. by God. Yes. Now, what was taught by God? What was shown by God? Well, Jesus actually referred to this event himself when he came along nearly 2,000 years later. In John mm. chapter 8, verse 5 and 6, it says, Jesus said, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it. And he was glad. Well, well, how on earth did Abraham see Christ's day when he lived, uh, you know, 2,000 years before Jesus? Well, I think we need to go back to that question that Isaac asked his dad and the answer that Abraham gave. Notice what it said. Abraham said, my son, Mm. God will provide himself a land. What God is saying here also is not that that God's going to provide the land, but God himself will be the land. That's it, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And for a burnt offering, so they went both of them together. And Abraham could see that day, ah, Mm. on a hill not far away from this one, just outside Jerusalem, another father, Mm. God, the Father, and another son, Jesus, will go to Calvary together. But there would no one there to cry out, God, don't do it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What an amazing mm. God, you. Yes, certainly, Gary. To think that God would do this for us, uh, that he would uh, in, in turn really make all of us then, through Christ his son, all of us sons and daughters of the Most High God. 
Uh, and to be yeah. willing to do so at the cost of uh, of Christ's very life for us. Wow, just an amazing yeah. thought. And to think that he, he remained so committed uh, unflinchingly to this purpose and plan to save us that he continued on that path all the way to the cross, all the way from the time of Abraham to the time when mm. Christ was born and went to the cross and died on our behalf. It's uh, just yes. astonishing love, isn't it? No, no, it is to you. And no wonder John the Baptist, when he was saw Jesus coming, he says, Behold the Lamb of God. This is the Lamb of God. This is God the Lamb. That's well he's saying. God gave himself. He didn't just send second fiddle, as we say, you. Mm, that's right. God himself became a human being, and Hebrews tells us, so that he could die in our place. And, mm. and, and I love what John said next, who takes away the sin of the world. That's why we yes. can be reconciled to God. So Jesus, the Lamb of God, is the one who forgives our sin, the one who actually counts us as if we never even did it, and he's the one that delivers us from the power of sin. And so, so that's the first player in the temple. And so all of this was forecast uh, thousands of years before and, of course, was written down in the Scriptures and is found in the Old Testament, which, of course, uh, uh, there, are, there are copies or extant uh, 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 copies of manuscripts of the Old Testament that predate the time of Christ. And uh, it was oh, all yes. pointing to the time that he would come to die in our place. Just amazing. Yes. Uh, the evidences that God has supplied of his purpose, but, of course, also of his, lo- of his love. In the book of Isaiah, too, they mm. found almost two complete scrolls of the book of Isaiah, and it predicts about you know the suffering Lamb of God that uh, would be rejected, and God would lay on him the sin of everybody. Mm. Mm. Now, Gary, before we continue, I think it's really important that uh, we talk about the fact that prophecy in the person of Christ is what gives us hope. And uh, we have a wonderful giveaway that we, uh, we'd we like to share with our listeners. Uh, and the giveaway is a book by Dustin Pestlin. It is called Hope Through Prophecy. Uh, and uh, and that uh, is a great book. And if you'd like to have that book, we would encourage you uh, to uh, text to us the code word for today's uh, program, uh, and, and you'll receive that uh, free book, that offer to you. Uh, and so the code word is SA, capital S, capital A, 128. That's SA 128. Uh, and you can text that through to zero four triple eight. 80811. So that's code word SA128. Text it through to 04888-80811. And that uh, free offer will be yours. That free book uh, uh, giveaway, Hope Through Prophecy. And boy, have we heard some wonderful hope, heartwarming hope in what you've shared with us uh, today, Gary. Now, by the way, uh, you're again, you're coming in person to Adelaide to share uh, in a very interactive uh, 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 night of uh, uh, of uh, uh, well, I guess techn- technologically interactive night with uh, lots of uh, great uh, pictures and uh, uh, and uh, presentations that you're going to be sharing with us, and uh, that's on August the fifth at uh, the Glandor Community Centre, isn't it? There at 25 Naldera Street yep. uh, in the southern side of uh, Adelaide, and likewise in the northern side of Adelaide, uh, you're coming uh, to a place that uh, that where I'll also be present. I'm looking forward to being there personally, uh, and uh, that's. At the Denison Centre in Mawson Lakes, uh, in Garden Terrace, and that's on August the sixth, Sunday, August the sixth, from five pm, with a free meal and uh, uh, and a wonderful series of uh, presentations uh, as well. Now, to book your place to hear Gary, <clears throat> you just need to uh, uh, hop online and go to prophetica.com. Prophetica. 
dot com. That's P R O P H E T I C A Prophetica dot com, and you can book your your seats, your free seats there with your f- family and friends as well. And uh, likewise, you can call the number one eight hundred double seven twenty twenty. That's one eight hundred double seven twenty twenty to book your free seats and free meal, uh, and meet Gary in uh, in the process as well. And uh, you'll be presenting on topics just like this, and some very exciting and uh, monumental prophecies too. Isn't that right? Oh, yes, we'll also be looking at prophecies concerning your own day, you know, the global agenda and global warnings. I mean, it's incredible what's in the Bible prophesied well over, you know, 2,000 to 2,500 years ago and supported by archaeology. Mm. Now, of course, today you're talking about uh, the place uh, the uh, and the people and the purpose uh, of Israel, and uh, and of course, uh, you're focused in upon uh, the most important person in that that whole picture, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ or Messiah, and uh, and so you've talked about the fact that he will he would be our sacrifice, and he certainly sacrificed his life to save ours. But also, there's another part to uh, to the role that he would play, and to, uh, perhaps you'd like to unpack that for us as well. Yeah, you're not going to play us a song again tonight. I, I love your songs, man. Oh, would you like to hear another song? Yeah, look, <laughs> yeah. I, I was getting I so excited it. about what you were sharing. I thought, well, let's give let's give Gary lots of time here. Oh, I'm happy to keep going, but man, I, I've enjoyed those songs. <laughs> oh, no worries. Well, in the meantime, uh, let's play a song, and also let's hear from our sponsors as well. Just while we're at it, this program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.
Well, what a stirring song that was. That was Redeemer of Israel by Gentry. Well, what did you think of that, Gary? Wow, that's just all I can say is wow, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great song, wasn't it? And yeah, very yeah, much in right. keeping with our topic for tonight, the Redeemer yeah, of it. Israel, who has come mm. and will come. Mm. Yes. Beautiful. So you want us to press on now, do you, Hugh? Oh, yes, please. So you've talked about uh, the fact that Messiah uh, would be yep. the, the sacrifice, but Messiah also has another role to play, doesn't he? Yes, he does. What we're looking at is that Israel has a purpose, and that purpose is found uh, and met in two things. The, the way they're going to bless the world is the temple, which points to the Messiah, and we're looking at the work of the Messiah as well. Now, the second the second great play in those temples that the Jews had set up from Moses' time and right on down to the time of Jesus, was the priest, mm-hmm. and especially the high priest, because the high priest pointed to Jesus who would become the high priest or the intercessor or the mediator for the people who put their trust in Jesus. I love the words of the of the book of Hebrews, uh, which is uh, written to Jewish Christians and referring to these temple uh, purpose of the priest. That is what it says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus. Let us therefore come boldly, come confidently to the throne of grace so that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. So those priests uh, in the temple all pointed towards Jesus, our great high priest, who's our intercessor. Jesus hasn't been on a holiday for the last 2,000 years yet. He's been (laughs) acting as our... He's been acting as our, our mediator, our intercessor. That's right. And uh, what a beautiful thing that is. Mm. It's why actually we can we can confess our sins because John says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness because he's our high priest. He's working in that capacity. So the point is, Hugh, the, the lambs pointed to Jesus, the priests pointed to Jesus as our high priest, and all of that was set up at the crossroads of the ancient world, the crossroads of the Middle East there. And so when people came through this place from you know Egypt to Mesopotamia and so on, they would be told the story of what the, the Messiah is coming and what he would do. Okay, so let's move on in their history now, eh? That sounds good, Gary. <clears throat> let's press on. So that's the, that was how they would bless the world. Well, of course, they take over Palestine. Um, they're driven out. They drive out the Canaanites under Joshua and others, the period of the judges. And finally, the Temple of Solomon is set up in 950 BC. But the tragedy of Israel in the Old Testament times is that they rebelled. They disobeyed all of God's Ten Commandments and uh, things didn't go well for them. And that's why we have in the Old Testament all these prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Hosea. They're calling Israel back to God's word and his commandments. You know, you're, you're turning away from them. Your country is in a mess because you've turned away from the commandments. Come back to God. Come back to following his commandments. Well, tragically here, they don't listen. And the the northern part of Israel called called Israel itself that falls to the Assyrian Empire in 722 BC. Samaria, the capital, is wiped out, and the Jewish people in the north, the ten tribes, they're carted off, they're deported by the Assyrians into all the places where the Assyrians ruled the world, especially in Mesopotamia. What a tragedy, eh? 
A deep tragedy, really. Terrible tragedy. Yeah, mm. yeah it's, it's sad indeed. And Well, God gives Jerusalem and the southern part of Israel called Judah another hundred years to course correct. You know, gives them more time. They haven't been as bad as the, as the north, but this southern part, they won't listen to the prophets either, especially Jeremiah. And so the Babylonians come. God predicts the Babylonians will take them. They destroy the city of Jerusalem. They destroy the temple and cart most of the people off to Babylon. And um, that's another tragedy. So, so sadly, the people who are supposed to help the world have now gone into captivity. And one might uh, naturally have thought at the time, well, I guess that's it. I guess the plan has failed. Yeah, yeah. But, of course, you, 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 uh, it hadn't failed. And, and that's where prophecy comes in because yes. Daniel is a captive of the Babylonians in, in the in the. Uh, palace of the king working and through Daniel God gives promise of a deliverance from Babylon Mm. and uh, Jeremiah had already predicted that God would deliver them after 70 years but Daniel actually is given an amazing prophecy in Daniel chapter 9 where God gives Israel another 490 years to course correct if we could put Mm. it that way Mm. to change their ways and we need to have a look at that briefly and we're not going to cover it in extent tonight, but just give that flesh out the big picture. But this is what Daniel is told. Daniel is actually praying for the deliverance from Babylon for his people because he's been reading the prophet Jeremiah and he realizes the time is up. And so he's pleading with God in prayer, God, you promised that you would deliver us out of Babylon and now the time is up. Will you act? And suddenly Gabriel appears to Daniel before Daniel. And this is what Gabriel says. 70 weeks of years, I'm reading from the Revised Standard Version, 70 weeks of years are determined. That means marked out for your people. That's Israel, of course, is Daniel's people, and for your holy city, and, of course, that's Jerusalem. And he says to do three, four things. Number one, to finish the transgression. That means rebellion against God. Number two, to make an end of sins, to stop missing the mark. In other words, to give Mm. victory over sin. Mm. And number three, to make reconciliation for iniquity. In other words, sin is separated from God, but during this time, God will bring his people back to him. And the fourth one is beautiful. It says, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to count you as God's people who are righteous because you've accepted what the Messiah did. So those are the four things that Daniel's prophecy predicts. It's a 490-year period because it says 70 weeks of years. 70 times 7 is 490 years. Well, how, how is all that going to come? How is Israel going to go from being so rebellious to being, to being people like this, who, whose rebel hearts are broken, who have victory over their sin stuff, who are reconciled to God and who have, uh, are righteous before God? Well, notice what the prophecy continues. I wonder if you could read verse 25 for us or part of it, please, you. Sure. So Daniel it's- continues reading. It says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the Messiah. Aha, notice, unto the Messiah. So, so Gabriel, who's talking to Daniel, he puts his finger on the answer to their problem. He said, ah, the Messiah or the Christ, he's the solution. He's the one that's going to make all those four things possible. So now the question becomes what? Well, when's he going to come? <laughs> when's he going to come to, <laughs> yes. to do this? 
Well, Daniel continues, or Gabriel continues. Notice what he said. He actually gives him the starting date. He says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and rebuild or build Jerusalem, because it's in a mess by the, mm. thanks to the Babylonians, yes. unto the Messiah. So in other words, he's telling him, he says, Daniel, um, from the time that the command's given to restore and build Jerusalem, and we know when that decree was, it was in the seventh year of Artaxerxes. He says he issues a decree. That's Ezra 7, verse 7 and 13. Yes. And we know when his seventh year was. It was 457 BC. That's when the command was given for Jerusalem to have its autonomy back and to, to complete the building and so on. So notice what's going on here. Let's pick it up here. Know therefore and understand, he's told by Gabriel, that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem, that's 457, unto the Messiah, the Christ, there will be a period of seven weeks, that's seven weeks of years, because that's what he's talking about, and 62 weeks of years. Well, what's seven and 62, Hugh? Here's a mathematics quiz for you, mate. Right. Oh, that's a tough one, but I'm thinking it might be seven plus 62 be 69, wouldn't it? You, you go to the top of the class, bro. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> now, what's 69 multiplied by 7 for 7 weeks of years? Well, let's see. I guess that would come to 483. So 483. You must have been a genius at school, bro. <laughs> <laughs> You're right on, Hugh. So the 69 weeks of years means 483 years from the going forth of the command to build Jerusalem. Well, if you add 483 to 457, you'll come to the year 27 AD. But, hey, hang on. What happened in 27 AD? By the way, some people think, shouldn't it be 26? But you, you, you must, everyone must remember there's no zero year mm. between 1 BC and 1 AD. So That's right. It's 27. It? Yes. So what happened in 27 AD? Now, Daniel, 530 years before, has predicted that, the Messiah is going to come after this period of 483 years or 27 AD. So what happens? Now, Luke actually is a, quite an incredible historian as well as a doctor, very precise in his dates. He actually tells us something in Luke chapter 3, verse 21. Hugh, could you read that for us? Now, the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Jesus also was baptized. And, of course, there's a few now, other we dates know from, there too. But, yeah, the 15th year of Tiberius Caesar. Yeah, the 15th year, we know from, from the way Romans reckon their, their Caesars and so on, their calendars, that was 27 AD. So 27 AD is exactly what Daniel predicted. And the Bible says in Acts that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. Some people wonder, why is he called Jesus Christ? Because you see, in the Hebrew, the word Messiah or Messiah, that means anointed one. Mm. In the Greek language, the word Christ means anointed one. Yes. So it was at his baptism in 27 AD that Jesus became Jesus Christos or Jesus Christ. That's why we call him Jesus Christ. Okay, now let's just continue on. That's why, by the way, here Jesus says the time is fulfilled. As soon as Jesus arrives and starts his preaching, he says the time is fulfilled. I've arrived on yes. time according yes. to the prophet Daniel. Mm. Now, the question is, so how's the Messiah going to solve the sin problem when he gets here? Now he's arrived. How's he going to solve? Now here's another mathematical conundrum for you, Hugh. If there's a, if there's seventy weeks and we've had sixty nine, how many would be left? Well, I'm thinking there's one left. What's going to happen with oh, that one? There, there it is again. Now this is one week of years. Remember, we've been talking about weeks of years 
as we read earlier. So what's yeah, what's going to happen? Well, 27 AD plus seven years would take us to 34 AD. And amazingly, notice what Daniel predicts. He says, and after the 62 weeks, now, of course, remember the seven weeks came before the 62, so he's really saying after the 69, yes. seven plus 62, he said. Mm-hmm. So after the 69 weeks, or the 483 years, mm-hmm. and that's when Jesus came, after that time, Messiah will be cut off. What does that mean? What do you reckon? Cut off. Well, it sounds like uh, he might actually have been cut off from his people or, or, or killed. Executed. Exactly, exactly. That's yes. what he says. I think it's Isaiah refers to it. He'll be cut off mm. out of the land of the living. In other words, he'll die. So, and then he tells us, Daniel tells us in Daniel chapter 9, he says, in the middle of the week, this is going to take place, the middle of this last seven year period. So, right on time, 31 AD, Jesus dies between 27 and 34, the middle point. Now, here, the question that some people probably have is, so what? So what that Jesus was baptized right on time, 27 AD? So what that he was crucified right on time, 31 AD? Well, the so what is this? Jesus is the Messiah. He's God in human flesh. That's enormous, isn't it? It is. Now, I I want to just finish up on this now here because we've come to the end almost of our time. But what we're seeing is this. Sadly, Daniel predicted this, but... Sadly, Israel rejected and killed the Messiah or the Christ. We all know that. Mm. And God in his grace, after 31 AD, he gave three and a half more years from 31 to 34 AD. That's why the disciples were preaching to the Jewish people after Jesus' death. God was gracious. Mm. Then Stephen, of course, is stoned in 34 AD. And who was holding the coats of those who who stoned Stephen? Do you remember? That was uh, Saul, wasn't it? Saul, yeah, Paul. And Paul becomes the apostle to the Gentiles, the non-Jews. And and Saul is converted. This this event of Stephen Stone, he couldn't get it out of his head because the Bible says um, Stephen cried out, I see heaven open and Jesus standing at the right hand. And so Saul is converted and he becomes the apostle to the non-Jewish people from 34 AD. And that takes us to the end of the 490 years. Now, we need to pick up next week. So, okay, what about Israel? from there onwards. Mm. Wow, what a fascinating journey you've taken us on tonight uh, there, Gary. And this is just one of many of the most amazing prophecies one will ever hear and found straight from the pages of the Bible. And, uh, of course, love the fact that as someone who specializes in several different uh, uh, disciplines in a very interdisciplinary way, that uh, you have degrees in science, archaeology, history, and religion, and that you weave all this uh, knowledge and uh, insight together and have given us such a great great and exciting set of evidences as to who the person of Messiah uh, is and was and forever will be. And, of course, that's Jesus. And uh, the fact that he's, he's done everything right on time and, of course, uh, nothing catches him by surprise. And he's done it for us so precisely and so lovingly and compassionately. So, so Gary, um, this is wonderful, wonderful uh, present, uh, presentation that you've shared with us this evening. And, of course, tomorrow you're going to continue on the same vein. You're going to talk more about the, the, the special uh, place and uh, and people and purpose that uh, God uh, set Israel aside for, uh, and, and Israel today, and Israel mm-hmm. today. So you're going to continue in the same way. So really looking forward to that. But also just want uh, our listeners to remember that Gary, you're going to actually be here in Adelaide in person uh, to present on a series of different topics that relate to the world in which we're living right now and how all of this and so much more is so relevant to the lives that we're living today and, and what the future holds uh, with regard. Yep. to the many of the big 
questions that we're facing and issues we're facing in today's world. So, so Gary, that's going to be at uh, at uh, the Glendor Community Centre at 25 Naldera Street uh, on August the 5th. That's on a Saturday, August the 5th from 5 p.m. And likewise, the next night uh, on the northern side of Adelaide at uh, – uh, at the Denison Centre in Mawson Lakes in Garden Terrace from on Sunday, August the 6th uh, from 5pm with a free meal included. All you need to do, Gary, uh, as I understand it, is to book your place on prophetica.com or uh, at 1-800-77-2020. And uh, we're really looking forward to meeting uh, our listeners there. Uh, likewise, if you sure, want uh, today's free offer, uh, then you can text in our special code word SA128 to 488811 and you'll have our free offer of hope through prophecy. Well, we hope to hear you again tomorrow night. We really do, and we hope to meet you in person when you come to Adelaide very soon, Gary. Looking forward to it, Hugh. Tomorrow and coming to Adelaide now. Wonderful. Thanks again, Gary. Really appreciate your time this evening. All right. Bye-bye. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. Praise Him.